0: Gosh, there's so many things. Of course, they're they're the hygiene pieces of communication, as you say, which are, you know, making eye contact and your body language, which is a super important thing because that's what people see is so much more important to how they receive the message than what you say.
1: Hello. And welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have um, Shaney Magoski on the show. Welcome, Shani.
0: Thank you so much, and hello, everyone. It's great to yeah. be here.
1: Good to have you on, good to connect with you, and good to have a conversation with you. You are the founder of the Leaders Shift Project, uh, where business, strategy, and culture meet. Right. Uh, you're, you're the author of The the Better Boss Blueprint, uh, an Amazon bestseller, and also you're the host of Leaders Shift Show podcast. Uh, and today, we're going to be exploring uh, almost a massive topic in itself, uh, effective communication, but I think an important topic. I'm sure there'll be some gems uh, and great wisdom that'll come out of that conversation today. Uh, but before we go into that, uh, I want to ask you, Shani, what do you love about what you do?
0: So many things. I could take up an entire podcast just <laughs> explaining that, but to bottom line it, I just love working with people and meeting folks from all over the world. And I mean, and over the years I have, I've gotten, I've been so fortunate. I've gotten to travel on behalf of my clients to Europe and Asia and South America and North, you know, in Canada and people are diverse and very similar and meeting all the different people just helps me expand as a human being and helps me serve broader and broader variety of clients. And ultimately, what I get jazzed up about is making an impact in someone's life, even if it's not professional, personally, because a lot of the things that I teach in leadership development aren't just leadership skills, they're life skills. And people Mm. will often say to me, "Shaney, you know, I'm 40 years old. And why didn't someone teach this to me in primary school? Life would have been a lot easier.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, and I can feel your passion and see your passion. And when did you realize that you had this uh, thing about sort of meeting with people and wanted to make an impact uh, with individuals?
0: Great question. So there's there's a couple of, of points in my life. One was uh, I, I started my career at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker and I loved it until I did not <laughs> And I didn't know what I wanted to do next. So I hired a career coach. And that was transformational for me because it really got me to tune into what makes me tick, what my values are, what I want to do in the world. And helping you know rich people get richer and moving money around for a living, which is you know, a little bit of a generalization, didn't feel like the legacy I wanted to leave and what I wanted someone to say about me you know, at my memorial service, so to speak. But it's like you do something for so long and you don't know what else you're even capable of doing and what your options are. So the career coach really helped me explore that. And I was very grateful because I've gone on to do some of the most amazing things. And after I left Wall Street, my ex-husband and I moved to Vale, Colorado. Because we decided, you know, not only do I want a change of career, we, I wanted, we wanted a change of scenery and fresh air because I had lived in New York and L.A. and Chicago. And I am a city girl, but at that point in my life, I really wanted to take the pace down a notch and live a cleaner, healthier, more active life. So we moved to Vail, Colorado, and my first job there was managing a television station, which... Totally broaden my perspective about different people and different kinds of businesses. I mean, just as an example, on Wall Street, I worked with, and then as I got more senior, managed some really left brain people. You know, folks who go into finance tend to be, you know, linear thinkers, obviously process oriented. But at the television station, it was mostly super creative, right brain people. And that had a, a lot of learning. And my next job, I became CFO, COO of of a marketing company that was, was pretty global. And so in that case, I was managing managers, you know, obviously a different dynamic than managing individual contributors. And what I found in that role was I loved enabling managers to be their best selves in service of their people. And developing them, not telling them what to do, but helping them tap into the things they already know to improve even more and show up even more strongly for their people. And that's when I realized, you know, leadership for me wasn't about, you know, approving vacation and writing performance reviews. It was about coaching and developing and, and supporting other people.
1: Wow. And that's, um, and that's why you do what you do now. You've obviously discovered this thing about working with people and seeing that, I guess, potential and then helping them unlock it and see that
0: um, guess, grow.
1: And, and as you say, leadership is not about telling people or help, helping people take holidays or, you know, that sort of almost the sort of hygiene side of things of, of leadership. Right. But, but it's inspiring people as well. Um, we're going to explore communication, which... In, in itself is a huge topic and um, of how to be more effective and how it communicates in our, not just in our workplace, but it, it, as you say, transcends our lives now. I think uh, often we you know we can never separate now the sort of work life anymore, certainly in the more remote hybrid world. I think That's things right. have come a lot more togetherness of things. And so anything that you do in the workplace, and I know when I coach individuals, I do, if I coach them about something in the, in the work context, their, their sort of personal life or their friends will notice an impact and a difference as well because it, they're not separated. So when we think about um, communications from your perspective, where do you think we need to really start? What are the things do we need to think about and consider if we're going to be an effective communicator within within our workplace?
0: Sure. Gosh, there's so many things. Of course, they're, they're the hygiene Pieces of communication, as you say, which are, you know, making eye contact and your body language, which is a super important thing, because that's what people see is so much more important to how they receive the message than what you say. Mm -hmm. Because I could say, yes, I really care about people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And my body language and my facial expressions say differently. Right. So. There's, there's got to be a consist- consistency among what you're saying, how you're saying it, and what your body is, is communicating. So that's, first of all, is just being conscious about a holistic message uh, with your whole self. Um, you know, and the other kind of technical things about, you know, making sure that if you use hand expressions when you're talking, you're not, you know, doing things that are, that are distracting, because really... Every time you open your mouth, your impact you're making an impression. right? Mm. I teach a presentation and, and um, facilitation skills course to leaders, you know leadership communication essentially. And I say it's not just about when you're leading a meeting or making a presentation or addressing the board of directors. Sure, those are formal contexts for communication. But seriously, every time we speak, we're making an impression, and that really matters. Um, but onto the the more nuanced pieces of communication. It's first of all thinking about who your audience is. Right? Don't focus on what is important to you about the topic. Focus on what's important for the other person and what 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 results and impact you're trying to drive with the communication. Because in a professional setting. Mostly, you're trying to get to an outcome, not a manipulative outcome. But Mm. if you're a leader, you want to make sure that customers are being served, more than satisfactorily. You want raving fans from your customers, and so you want to enable your people or make sure your people are impacted by your communication in such a way that they're inspired to 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 achieve that result, if you will. And so what I train a lot of leaders to do is think about not just the outcome you want, but the impact you want to make when you're communicating. Mm. So the impact is about what, ac- or sorry, the outcome is what action do you want people to take? The impact is what emotions do you want to conjure up so that people are motivated to take mm. the actions that you seek? So one's about doing and one's about being or mindset or how you show up. And communication is incomplete without the second piece.
1: It made a really valid point because, obviously, I think people get caught up with that. Just what am I going to get out of this when I communicate? Are they going to do what I say? How they do it? Can I be clear? Um, Can I use the right language And, and everything else? And that's obviously important. But having that sense of what impact, uh, what's the experience they're going to get, what are they going to go with, how they're going to feel is probably more uh, more impactful in some ways of carrying your message, but also getting to do the motivation behind the outcome, isn't it? That's what it sort of feels like.
0: Yes. I forget who said it, and I remember it was a, a female leader. She said, people... Will not remember what you said. They will remember how you make them feel. Mm. And how do you make people feel emotion? It's through resonance, right? When you say things, when you tell stories, there's a piece of humanity in that that resonates with other people. They might not have the exact same experience from the story that you're sharing, but there's a piece of it that'll always be relatable. And that's why stories need to be not just compelling and interesting but authentic and truthful and somewhat vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. vulnerability has become a very popular topic. Thanks to Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. who has taken it from a, you know, a soft skill to something that is, has research Mm -hmm. behind it. And, you know, for those left brain people that I spoke about (laughs) who were my former colleagues, that's often what it takes for them to believe it. They need to see the, the charts and the results from research to understand that vulnerability isn't just something to avoid because of my ego. Vulnerability is actually something that brings connection and drives psychological safety on teams, which is the number one predictor of a high-performing team. It's not about how many MBAs are on the team or how many, you know, people, have engineering degrees or the companies that they work for is about psychological safety on the team, meaning people not only feel free to bring their full selves to, to the team, but also they feel free to speak their minds, even if their opinion is Mm -hmm. different than their leaders, as opposed to agreeing because they think that's, what's going to allow them to keep their job. It means freedom to innovate and come up with ideas that people aren't going to say that's ridiculous or that's silly. People are going to be open to it. And the more ideas, obviously, the more innovative a a team can be, which is super, super important in this world today, which Mm. we say is VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So if there's not psychological safety on a team and in a company, you're going to fail.
1: And and another topic which we could really – explore because I think I agree psychological safety is just the the pinnacle of creating high performing teams it's just the way that yeah people can step up they can contribute they can feel safe to fail uh, they can challenge they do all those things and that's really important That's vital Um, when you're considering communication obviously that might be formal but communication is, is on obviously all the time clearly we're communicating all the time it's not all a formal thing but how do we you touched on it a little bit how do we get to that place where well I suppose what things do we need to consider when we're thinking about this impact and this creating this experience and you know because initially if you're not doing it at the moment you have to sort of think it through as a process almost you know what I mean It almost becomes a slightly awkward initially because obviously you're learning to do something new and to mm-hmm. create that so what what have you share with your leaders that you've worked with to help them get to that place where they'll be more, I suppose, experiential when they're sort of communicating?
0: Yep. Great question. There's a, a little process that I use to get people in touch with how to create impact because you can't just say like, okay, go create impact.
1: right? <laughs> exactly. At, yes.
0: at, the first question I start with is at the end of this communication, whether it's, you know, in an Uber for five minutes with a colleague or in a presentation or a sales meeting or an all hands company meeting what do you want people to walk away saying how do you want them to feel at the end of the meeting right and a lot of times the leaders will say things like i want them to feel inspired and i want them to feel connected things like that and i'm like great those are that's exactly the kind of of emotional impact that is important again to mm inspire them to want to drive the results that you're intending. But th- again, that's not enough. So then I'll drill down to another question, which is, how do you need to be in order to make them leave that interaction feeling inspired and connected? And mm-hmm. I'll have them come up with three words. I call it a to-be list. And just to take a step back and explain.
1: Be, it, as, in, as in being, as in to-be
0: absolutely and nice. people people are like what's a, what's a to- be list i know to-do list and again to do is about action it's about doing and mm-hmm. highly driven successful ambitious people were really good at the to-do list right we have a list of all the stuff we want to accomplish and it makes us feel really good to check things off the list in fact we we do get a little boost of adrenaline or serotonin when we check things off the list so it it's it's natural to want to do that but it, it, but doing is only half of it, as as I alluded to earlier. So the to be list is: How do I want to show up? What mindset do I want to have when I'm communicating? So again, to go back to the example of I want people to feel inspired and connected. How do I, as a leader, need to show up? Well, I need to show up as enthusiastic, right? I've, I I might be, the leader might be an introvert by nature. Mm -hmm. How can they call upon their most enthusiastic version of themselves? Because introverts don't have to be quiet and Mm soft-spoken and and shy, right? So part of, one of the items on the to-be list might be enthusiastic. It might be, a, a word like transparent could be important in creating that impact. And giving people the full picture. Mm -hmm. People don't want to be lied to because that's, that is not an inspiring vision. Mm -hmm. Part of a vision in today's world is saying what's important for the future and acknowledging Mm -hmm. that the future is also uncertain. So let's just take those two words as a to be list. Mm -hmm. And what do we do with that? we marinate on it. And when we're planning, if if it's a more formal thing, when we're planning, we build that into the messaging. So when I'm telling a story, how can I not tell just a superficial story that seems like bullshit? How can I tell a story that really is transparent? And and again, in a conversation, it's just coming in with the mindset of, you know what, I'm going to make this real. So if we step into the communication, Mm. wearing that that hat, if you will, then it's a lot easier to make that happen. And I'll say, before you do anything, even when you're walking over to the person or walking into the meeting, remind yourself, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be enthusiastic. And the law of attraction will help you get there.
1: And it's it's almost it's setting our intent, isn't it? Yeah. Setting our intent. I want to have a conversation that will inspire, be whatever it may be, transparent, open. Um, making sure when you're you're authentic to yourself, uh, and just by setting that, which is our setting our you know our our, our brain into that sort of intention of what I want to deliver on, and how, right. I to deliver and how I want to deliver, and how they want to experience it. it is important. And, and I've
0: got i re- I've got a couple of really good examples of that. One one is a made-up story, but I love it anyway. It's about Marilyn Monroe, and who can't get into a story about that iconic woman? She's walking down the street of New York City. Let's say she's walking down Fifth Avenue with a bunch of girlfriends, and she's kind of in the mix of, of the girlfriends. You know, they're they're in a cluster walking along kind of slowly, and One of the women says, God, isn't it amazing? We're in the middle of one of the busiest streets in the world and no one even notices Marilyn Monroe is here. And never one to shy away from a child. And she's like, well, I can fix that. So in a nanosecond, she breaks out just two steps in front of this cluster of women and throws her head back, her shoulders high and sashays. In only the way that Marilyn Monroe could do. And in just a few seconds, all of a sudden, people are like pointing and screaming, oh, my God, it's Marilyn Monroe, it's Marilyn Monroe. And to unpack that story, in both scenarios, she's technically doing the same thing. She's walking down the street, right? But the way she's being is totally different. Mm. And, of course, the impact is totally different. So that's a story that's, that people that's, really it's a great to
1: story, and, and it's interesting. We, we've been talking about being, and and what I also conjured up with being is being present and being fully present. And it, it goes on to a, a thought for me is, is when, you're, when you're present with somebody and you're communicating, say on a one to one or any, any situation, it doesn't matter where you are. Being present also means you're in a, there's a dialogue, there's listening, isn't it? Because you're fully there. You're not distracted. You're not thinking about the next thing or the last thing. You're in that moment. And that all that matters is that moment. Just like you and I are in a conversation now. All that matters is for me, is, and for sure for you, is this conversation. Nothing else matters. Absolutely. We're not on
0: our phones. We're we're not thinking about what we need to pick up at the grocery store later today. Mm. We're fully present with each other. And honestly, you read my mind as as you were talking. I'm like, well, this is all about listening. And a lot of people, they think they're good at listening and they're not so good at listening. They might be Mm. hearing. They're not listening because listening is a skill that needs development especially in this world full of distractions. It is Mm. easier and easier to get pulled in so many directions that you're truly not listening. And there's a a kind of a hierarchy of listening of three levels. The first level, which um, is where a lot of people get caught more often than not, is level one listening. And that's when they're self-focused. You know, so they might be paying a little bit of attention, catching Mm. a few words here or there, but they're missing the nuance because they're in their own heads thinking about what am I going to say next and how am I going to respond and how am I going to turn this conversation around for my benefit
1: Mm. or
0: or what is my grocery list or what time (laughs) is it? I have to go pick my kid up at soccer practice, right? And so if we're focused on the thoughts in our head, we cannot possibly be fully present In the conversation, Mm. that's level one listening. Level two listening is what we're doing here. We're present with the other person. We're making real eye contact. We're acknowledging. We're responding in the moment Mm. to what the other person is saying. If 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 someone's not really listening, then their responses are not going to sound congruent. They're they're going to feel a little off.
1: It will be a bit jarred, wouldn't it, if I if I suddenly went down and went, went to my next question, about, if I'd written a load of questions down and just went, right, Shani, can you tell me about this? Be exactly.
0: Like, it's a perfect yeah. example. Another example of level one listening, I'm sure we've all seen it in meetings. Uh, you know, we'll be having a discussion on an agenda item, and suddenly someone will chime in or ask a question that has literally just been covered. And everyone's like looking at this person like where the hell were you 10 minutes ago? We <laughs> spent 10 minutes talking about that and you've just asked the question because the person was not listening. <laughs> they were in their own in their own world. So that's so level 2 listening is where we are. And in order to be a good level 2 listener, we have to turn down the volume on that level 1 listening. We can't totally turn it off because we're humans and we don't want to totally turn it off because part of being in our own heads is interpreting what we're hearing. So it's Mm. just, let's modulate it down a little bit so there's a better balance. Mm. And then level three listening takes a little bit more mastery. And that is not only being fully present in level two listening, it also means that we're taking in the whole environment. So an example that I like to use in the workplace is you're having a meeting with someone in their office and it's a mess, (laughs) That's that's not something they're communicating to you. They're not saying, "Oh, my office is a mess. Let's talk about it." It's it's something that you're taking in because, mm. by the way, listening is not just something we do with our ears. We we listen with our eyes. We listen with our heart. We listen with our guts. Mm. Right. So to me, listening is a full body experience. And
1: it's it's so, almost it's almost the sensory input, really, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah.
0: You know because. Someone who's hard of hearing they can listen they might not be able to hear but they can listen right they can they can their their other senses are heightened so they're listening by seeing and experiencing and energetically they're very much attuned
1: so how do we sort of become better listeners almost to sort of finish in the last few minutes really how do we sharpen ourselves to be when we're going to have those conversations, people listen to this right now and might think, yeah, I, I want to be a better listener. How can we sort of help them give some tips and approaches that will make them rather than say, I'm just going to listen to somebody. There's, there's ways of doing that. So how can we help them, Shani?
0: Yep. The overall answer to that is practice, practice, practice. I mean, to get better at anything, you can't just will yourself to do it and snap your fingers and it happens. We have to practice with intention. Every day, we're going to say, I'm going to experiment with my listening. And what I'll have people do is notice in every conversation, am I listening? Like intermittently, like ask yourself that question. Go to level one very quickly. Am I listening? And if you figure out you're not, okay, refocus and try and Mm -hmm. turn down the volume on, on the noise in your head. And even after the communication or the interaction, do a little bit of a debrief for yourself. How well was I listening? When I was listening, what differences did I notice? Mm. When I wasn't listening, what was the impact of that? And how can I listen better next time? Just asking those three questions mm. as a after you've done it is a way to increase that self-awareness and, and improve incrementally every single time.
1: And also, I think, I mean, just and that's really good tips is, I think there's people forget there's there's real power in in listening and actually as a leader if you listen well and create an environment where people can share and you can ask questions and they listen you will be surprised how much more times they'll start to fix their own problems because they've shared it and as they they hear themselves and you're just listening and you're genuinely listening and you know not going to answer straight away because you want them to share they'll come up with their own solutions that you can add to it and shape it and enable and empower them. And so they go away. Actually, I felt listened to. I felt valued because there's another thing with being listened to. You feel valued. If somebody hears you and you feel that, then you feel valued. And then if you share and they don't say a lot because they don't need to, actually I can fix my own problem here. And so as a leader, you can actually make great impact just by listening more.
0: That's right, hashtag coaching
1: <laughs> well, exactly, yes, so we do a lot of that, yes indeed um this has been great conversation, Shanney, and I think we could have carried on talking all sorts of things about communication because I think it's a it's a vital topic and a one that I think is gets missed in people's psyche of being more effective in how they communicate, whether it's individually groups or and also in their personal life as well um so yeah, thank you for your time today, thank you for what you've shared and Um, If people are interested in what you do, how you go about things, uh, how can they best do that?
0: Yes. Thank you for that question. And actually, before I say that, I just want to wrap up with an analogy. I'm huge on analogies, and I think a lot of people get them. And this analogy is is about the body. What I say is lack of and poor communication is the plaque that clogs the arteries of organizations and relationship Mm. systems. So think about that, folks. You don't want to be cholesterol. (laughs) (laughs) No, at all. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the best way to reach me, there's a few ways. My website is theleadershiftproject.com. And my direct email is shani, S-H-A-N-I, at theleadershiftproject.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And you can also find my podcast, The Leader Shifter Show, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts
1: brilliant well thank you for your time today Shane I've thoroughly enjoyed it
0: likewise Julian thank you for having me
1: thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you do like this episode then please do rate review and share with your friends and colleagues as a coaching practice we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible if this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at JulianRobertsConsulting.com.